to Podcast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron, live from Salem. Welcome, welcome to another podcast. And now, Leaky's own Melissa and Ellie. Welcome to Pottercast 8, our, our live from Salem edition. Now, this part isn't live. This part is recorded back in New York. But I went to the Witching Hour the, last weekend in Salem, Massachusetts, and had a wonderful time. The Witching Hour was a convention brought to you by HPEF, which is the same, which are the same group of people who brought us Nimbus in 2003. Uh, brought hundreds of Harry Potter friends from all over the world into the witch city of Salem. And we got together at Finn's Seafood House with a bunch of fans and had a great time recording a podcast with Chris Rankin, who plays Percy Weasley, Jeff of HPANA, um, BK joined us, BK DeLong from Leaky, and we just we just had so much fun, so we really hope that you enjoy what's coming up. So we're going to go to Sue with our news. We'll have our little intro with, with Sue and John, who will also be around at the ends like usual, but everything else is from Salem. Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hi everyone, Sue Upton here with your Harry Potter news recap for you. There was a great deal of film news this week as we get closer to the release date of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We saw multiple new magazine articles about the film posted this week in upcoming editions of the magazine such as Premiere, Starlog, Exposé, Film Review, and I'm sure there'll be others, so be sure and check out your local newsstand for those. We also saw that actress Emma Watson, who plays Hermione Granger, is featured on the cover of Teen Vogue magazine. Here's some very nice pictures and a nice article about the actress included in the November issue of that magazine as well. Actor Daniel Radcliffe has given a new interview to Jenna over at danradcliffe.com. She is posting this really cool interview, and there's also some nice audio clips of the young man speaking, so be sure and check out her website for that. In the meantime, Warner Brothers has updated their official film website to Goblet of Fire, and there are now some nice character and actor bios available for everyone to check out. Speaking of websites, EA Games has now launched their Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire video game website. And this is a really nice website, especially for those who are into games, and especially if you have younger children, too, who might enjoy playing some of the little trial games they have on the site. So be sure and check that out at masterthemagic.com, which is really fun, so do give it a look. There was even more film news this week as we learned that the German Amazon website posted the soundtrack listing to the music on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. There are 24 songs listed, including some that look like they're the ones that the Weird Sisters play at the Yule Ball, so be sure and check that out. It's really cool. We can't wait to hear the music. We also are hearing rumors too late of a running time for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, but these are still very much a rumor, and we are trying to confirm them. We will update with you with more as soon as we can. Finally, we saw a few new posters released this week, including one very nice one from Denmark that included one kind of that we saw before, but it had a different pose of Hermione and Ron, so be sure and check that out. And speaking of posters, USA Today Weekend Magazine will include special Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire movie posters in their supplement that they put in newspapers the weekend of November 4th through the 6th. There will be three different versions of the poster available, so be sure and check that out. And finally, we heard from Empire Online, who has posted an interview with film producer David Heyman, who talks a little bit about one of the big scenes in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, especially about the dragon, which is kind of spoilerific, so if you want to know, go ahead and check that out. He also did confirm that actor Ray Fiennes will be adding his voice 
on the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire video game as Lord Voldemort. So that'd be kind of cool, too. Well, that was quite a bit of news. And for all your news and information, please be sure and check out our website, which is updated daily. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. We are back. Sue here. Hi, Sue. Thanks for the news, Suze. Hey, John. How's it going? Sue's news. News you can Suze. (gasps) Anyway. Hi, guys. So, anyway, so we're not, we're not, we're not quite live yet but this week's the bulk of this week's podcast is from the witching hour which was live in salem last weekend yay, yay. salem massachusetts it was a lot of fun um we hope that you forgive some audio sins this week it was um it was interesting and very low key and very low tech the recording of this podcast so you're gonna hear a lot of restaurant noise and um happen in restaurant there's some echoing because I was stupid about some of the mics, and well, it's, it's not fine. up to the quality that we've come, come to get used to here. So um, it will be different for the New York one. We're still sorting out what's going on for the New York one, but that one will be much better quality. Yeah, no worries. Just close your eyes and pretend you're at the seafood restaurant and hanging out, listening to these guys. No big deal. <laughs> So I wish you guys had been up there for the witching hour. It was really cool. It was really it rained the whole time, and um, it was that was depressing. I went to I went to the movie on Friday night with Chris Rankin. I went to a couple of things, but I have Chris. What did you say? We um oh the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh oh okay. They played Sorcerer's Stone. Did you guys hold hands during the film or no? But no, because his (laughs) girlfriend. Oh, that's obviously that's right. Was, yes, yes, that's the only reason because. How was anyway, it like watching um, a movie with a dude that was in the movie? Does he like smile whenever he's on on screen? No, we were making fun of things together, and uh, he and we were eating these. Um, they gave out fizzing whizbies or like, you know, the the real version of them, and they're sort of like pop rocks. I've never had them before, and so we're we're basically passing pop rocks back and forth and just giggling it. So you the were way they sort of, disrupting the others' film watching pleasure. No, we were sitting all the way at the back because he was getting he was oh, getting the bombarded seats. everywhere. So we just oh, sort of yeah. we just sort of um all stuck stuck to the back. Me and him and his girlfriend and my friend Megan later on. Oh, and Jeff from HBNA and later on um um, 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 um Heidi joined us and we only stayed for a little while because they were in Danvers. We had to get back to Salem, so we had to leave. Um, but I heard that Witching Hour was really exciting, and I have dramatic news, everyone. Big Uh-oh. news. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We've been especially for, for this. Now, I'm, and this is especially to you, Miss Treehugger. Uh-oh. No, I don't know. Not me. Huffle You're Huffle a treehugger. Bashing. No, no. You were bashing us. And you know who won the house, <laughs> the cup? Hufflepuff wins. Oh, my gosh. That's the first time for everything, I guess, so... Very nice. Rules. Congratulations. Well, but there was some sorting there was some sorting craziness going on. Chris Rankin got sorted into Ravenclaw. (laughs) (laughs) Which was just bizarre. There was an awful lot of film news and I don't know. We're getting closer. Getting close to how many days exactly? What, thirty seven, thirty five, thirty six? Well, Sue, I'll tell you. How can we do that, Melissa? I will check our leaky cauldron widget. 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 It's a widget. Yay. What's a widget? It's it's something I coded. I did the techie part of this. I can't. Yay. I'm so proud. Yay. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a big gold star and hang it over my bed. And when anybody comes into my bedroom, I say that is for coding my widget. Um, gold huh? stars for me? widgets. Techie gold stars. It's just great. Anyway, there are 37 days, one hour, 54 minutes, 56 seconds. A widget is well. 
<laughs> a, a widget is a small application that it does it does like a, a little function that you need often that you can keep always open on your computer. For instance, I have the Leaky Cauldron Goblet of Fire countdown clock on my computer. I also have a weather widget. So every time I go I go to my my I ha- I'm a Mac person, so I have dashboard. So if you have a program called Dashboard, you have um. You open it, and you go to your widgets, and it has. I, I'm, I'm a terrible. I'm t- I'm so bad at this, explaining what these are. That's why they're called widgets because they're hard. But to these explain. work for regular PCs yes. too, right? These aren't. They do. Mass. You go to Confabulator, K O N F A B U L A T O R dot com, and there's a, pro- and there's a program that you can get um to make to make widgets work on your on your Windows as well. And if you have a Mac, you probably have Dashboard, so so you're good. Yes. But anyway, they run these little functions. They do a million different things. They, I have a MapQuest one where you can look up addresses. I have a weather one. I have one for my FTP stuff that I can just drag files onto my FTP. Cool. And basically, yeah, it just makes your computing computing stuff really, really easy because there's this stuff is just always sitting there waiting for you. Wow. That's, That's awesome. cool. I, do, okay. I just have like? one of my favorite Harry Jenny uh, fan fictions up right now. I'm just finishing up. No. So you're a Harry Jenny shipper. You know, I'm, I'll tell you about my shipping here. Yes, let's do here some more. That's such and a that's convincing sound, John. that's when I figured out that, that was totally going to be, you know, what's going to end up happening. So, you know, yeah, that's uh-huh. kind of what I'm done with. That's a very convincing sound, John. <sighs> that you do. <laughs> Sounds like phlegm. <laughs> well, that's most, mostly what it is. Ew, gross. Okay, guys, we got to... Okay, we're done. We gotta get to the live to the to the live segment. We're done. Let's get to the live segment so yes, that people can hear all the glass clinking. <laughs> send it over to Salem and the Shin's uh, restaurant. Fins. What is Finn's, it? Fins. Fins. Fins.com. Fit no Fins Seafood Restaurant. It's like those you know, like the things that are no, on fish. Fins to the left. Fins to how, the right. How was their shrimp special this week? I I don't eat seafood, but oh. everybody what? told me that the food there was good. I don't eat seafood. Well, I'm sure had you did really? eat seafood, you would have thoroughly enjoyed their shrimp platter. I I enjoyed their wine. <laughs> oh, there's a shot. There's a <laughs> there you go. I, I was drinking wine during the podcast, everybody. They, they had pictures, so was Percy. So was Percy. Well, he actually got me my wine. Percy's getting hammered. Oh, just stop. <laughs> okay. I think we should move along now. Let's move along. <laughs> Bye, folks. Bye. Send it to Salem. So let's start. Heidi, do you want to talk about what you've been doing with your... Well, I got here yesterday, and I have had a very whirlwind 25 hours at this point. I have managed to enjoy some of the room of requirement setups that they have put together here. Room of requirement here at the Witching Hour means you get together with other people from either a website or a concept or a ship or people who come from the same geographic area. There's a group for librarians. There's bunches of people who are organizing the Lumos event in 2006, and people are getting together in the various restaurants here around Salem to have a chance to sit down in a more casual atmosphere and just talk with other Potter fans. I've also done two presentations so far, one on fanfic through the ages where we gave away hats to people who guessed what fanfic from 1999 and 2000 and 2001 we were reading, 
and then another one this morning where we spoke about ethical issues in writing about fandom. A bunch of um, absolutely brilliant academicians, professors, and journalists, and silly little me were speaking about the issues that we deal with when we write about the fandom that we're also participating in, and I explained some of the things that Melissa's put together for us here at Leaky Cauldron in terms of when you're participating in an activity, you're not the person who posts about the activity over on Leaky. And it was it was a very interesting experience, especially when Professor Henry Jenkins showed up and asked some absolutely brilliant questions of us. And if we're lucky, he may be joining us later. So so let's 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 talk about Jeff. What have you done while you've been here? Um, I, I've only been to a few panels, unfortunately, but I've been enjoying Salem quite a bit. Um, I went to uh, Amy Tenberg's uh, panel on uh, liability of running uh, fan sites, and that was great information. Um, Anybody get sued? Is that yeah, what that's about? You don't want to get sued. You know, you want to you know, keep on the right side of uh, the powers that be. Warner Brothers. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was really interesting uh, coming from someone who has that background. Well, then, then uh, somebody who runs a really large Harry Potter fan site explained what some of those issues are and and what happens when you get one of those very friendly emails <laughs> from Warner Brothers. Well, Warner Brothers is very nice to us, I must say. Um, yeah. Um, and they, um, you know, they, they're, they're very understanding with fans in that we are there to help promote their product. And they understand that. And there are some times when we would maybe unknowingly post a picture that maybe shouldn't have been posted. And, you know, generally they just asked us politely to take it down. Um, I remember uh, last year, I think, HBNA posted a, a video, just a short segment of uh, the, the startup video from Prisoner of Basketball DVD before it came out and someone sent it to us. And Warner Brothers, like, automated uh, robot came and said, uh, HBNA is hosting the entire video. Uh, so they sent us a, a cease and desist letter, and it was just this form thing. But it, it was, uh, once I explained, you know, it was only 30 seconds. Basically, they said, uh, you know, that's fine. Just uh, you don't have permission to, but we're not going to do anything about it. Basically, yeah, that's what happened. They have to assert their rights, basically. So um, beyond that, you just got to make sure your members don't do anything uh, crazy. You know, post libelous stuff or uh, on your message boards and. Um, well, yeah. Well, Amy said in her panel uh, that the more control that you put into your, your site, the more liability you have. So, fictionality, I think, you sort of are more hands off. Exactly. We pretty much Amy is our attorney, um, along with me. So we pretty much have looked into some of the liability issues, and under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, it's better for us to wait until we get a complaint from somebody rather than try and be proactive and check the um, parenthood of every single bit of information that goes up on our site. So we are very responsive when somebody lets us know that there's a situation the same way the other large sites are. And it's just, it's a lot easier on everybody to help that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to bring it over to BK. So give him guys get into close to your mic. So given yeah, BK lives in Salem. He's our representative from the Witch City. So can you tell us what it's like to have all these Harry Potter fans 
here and what what Harry Potter, the effect of Harry Potter has been on Salem in general over these years? Well, it's nice because, you know, I only have to walk about 10 minutes down the street and I can, you know, just be in conference and see everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Kind of a bit of a laziness going on there, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, no, it's really really nice because uh, actually from a Salem resident point of view, um, there's a lot going on kind of debating, trying to uh, uh, publicize Salem's excellent maritime history in addition to, you know, the witch trials, which everybody hears about, and, and the going back and forth to how do we have a marriage of happiness between you know uh, those two portions of our tourism industry. So it's great to bring. Uh, I think a lot of the, the residents and and people who are you know on the North Shore of Massachusetts often see. Um, I guess you'd call them goths and uh, witch wannabes who come up and visit Salem and and dress up in, in interesting clothing and do interesting things, and that's all they see. So to bring something uh, with a with kind of Harry Potter with a with a more of a. a, a academic feel to it, more of a professional feel to it, um, in many cases more of an adult feel to it, I think it really brings a lot more um, um, respect to that portion of Salem's tourism, and and I think it's, one of the things I think is really great is the fact that the conference itself has spread out amongst all the big um, uh, tourists. On the historic sites. Uh, in addition to that, the um, having the the well, what, what I would call in my you know in the technical field the birds of a feather sessions, which are the rooms of requirement here in the various. Re- it's really it's really great to you know to, to have to have. It. I just have to interrupt for one second, Heidi. What are you what are you what are you doing? What what are you sending? Heidi's always on her sidekick. I don't know if everybody knows. Heidi has this sidekick, and she's she's known for it. She's always sending messages to people. Her live journal is updated with everything that happens in her day. So what? Tell us what you're doing. Uh, I doing. just wrote a post to go on Leaky, and BK just beta read it, and I'm checking to see if it's managed to post because sometimes when I post from my sidekick, as Melissa knows, she either doesn't post or it comes up seven times. And yeah, yeah. If you ever see that, that's that's why. But no, um, so what is yes, it did actually work. Now, if you obviously when someone's listening to this, it'll be after the fact. But we now have something up that says I'm blogging live from Salem, along with Melissa BK, etc., etc. Um, and as we get comments in, I guess we can put them into the podcast. That was really, really smart of you. I'm glad you thought of it. I'm going to take a photo and send it to Sue, and she'll put it up to go along with this. I'm glad someone's minding the story. If, if it didn't post, then Sue or John would be on it in, like, minus 30 seconds. Chris, when did you fly in? I got here on Wednesday evening. Me and Rosie flew in Wednesday evening, um, and... Got straight to work on Thursday. Who's Rosie? Rosie's my girlfriend. Who's Ooh. Somewhere over there. Rosie. 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 Say hi, Rosie. Hi. Hi, Rosie. It's an exclusive. Chris Rankin has a girlfriend, everybody. Um, and we've been having a great time. I grand marshaled the parade on um, Thursday evening. Got to ride in the most amazingly cool car ever. This big blue. Ford Anglia sort of looky, really? looky like it wasn't a Ford Anglia but it looked like a sort of Ford Anglia boom thing convertible sat there and waved at 20,000 people sort of lying in the streets of Salem it was amazing um, and we've been having a great time actually I got last night I got kidnapped by a group of Death Eaters 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Back up. Explain what? I, I don't. I was in the foyer of my hotel, and this group of Death Eaters grabbed me, and <laughs> dragged me, kicking and screaming, into the Harry and the Potter's gig, <laughs> and staged this little riot in front of the thing, and then dragged me out. <laughs> It was truly bizarre. Isn't 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 their whole deal? Voldemort can't stop the rock. Well, yes. Um, I think I think the thing I got was that um, one of these Death Eaters had an album signed by Harry and the Potters that said to so and so, "Don't let the Death Eaters spoil our party." So the Death Eaters came to spoil the party. Um, but it was that was bizarre. <laughs> and I've been um, I've been down to the Quidditch pitch today watching the Quidditch, which has been very has wet. Yes, but not intentionally. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, was some, there was some rough tackling going. Yeah. Um, so how does this Quidditch work? I know you guys are, are, are doing Quidditch here, but I, I'm it, it, it escapes me. It seems to be like a, a, a cross between field hockey and soccer and wrestling. Really, <laughs> it looks very vicious. Yeah, basically, it's it's very vicious. I mean, is there any are there any of the teams here? Any Quidditch people? Does somebody want to explain? Yeah, we have the Minister of Magic. The Minister... Uh, everybody, it's Cornelius Fudge. Woo! What's... What's your what's your name? Lacey Lovegood. Lacey what? Lacey Lovegood. Lacey the Australian Lovegood family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John does no idea who you are, but it's okay. So what? So what? So explain. How does this all work? Come up, come up to the mic. Yeah, absolutely. We've been running a British tournament all day. I've been there and I'm absolutely stopping it. We thought we'd bring out the authentic Scottish weather for Quidditch. So what we've been doing is we've had that is two correct. tournaments running today. We've had our professional Quidditch. Uh, those of you here probably see my Quidditch top that I'm wearing. And it's, a, it's a purple. It's a purple top. It's got the haunted footsteps. Ghost to a ghost. And I'm proud to say they won okay. the match. Nice. Woo! Yeah, we're, we're running two nice. tournaments today. We had the professional Quidditch tournament, which was our American American Professional Quidditch Association, and the cup for that will be awarded later on this afternoon after the finals have been played. We had 12 teams sponsored by local sailing businesses and also some fandom members, and that was fantastic. They had an absolute blast this morning. One of the teams, the Pixies, after they won, after they lost, officially on the break, went and dived in the mud and had mud baths. They are now covered head to toe in mud, and then they went and glittered themselves. <laughs> so they look and we've also been okay. running a house Quidditch tournament. So we've, when we've been here at the Witching Hour, when everyone registered, they were sorted into a house. Some people were sorted uh-huh. into houses they did not think they would be sorted into. But uh-huh. I have to say, everyone is now quite pleased with themselves. And we ran a house Quidditch tournament this morning, which is, I think, still going on at the moment. As I left, Gryffindor and Slytherin were trying very hard to kill each other. We had the Gryffindor head of house, who is a Salem local, Tony Toledo, was out there egging his team on and I think was having a bit of a mud bath himself. So we've had those two Quidditch tournaments. And we were also, in between those games, running pick-up Quidditch. So that was just for anyone who came along, even people who weren't registered for the conference, just to come along, have a game, see if they liked it. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you for letting us know what this is all about. Um, Thank you, Lacey. Yay, Lacey. Um... Cool. So we'll t- we'll see you a little later, later in the show. Could you bring that mic back, back up here? So how many people are actually 
Are, is everybody going to the convention that's here, witching out our people? So what have yay? So what have been your well? First of all, hold on. We have to pause. We we haven't said where we are. Everybody out there, we're at Finn's Seafood Restaurant in Salem. It's really beautiful and it's really it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's this great place. So yay, Finn's. It's really gross out today. Okay, Heidi's taking a picture on the sidekick. Going to be on leaking in about three seconds. Um, so, so who who has a favorite thing they've done so far that they want to share with us? Yes. Uh, my friend Kendra and I here won the quest yesterday. What? Now, what's the quest? <laughs> what's the quest? It was basically a scavenger hunt, running from place to place collecting clues, and we were saving the headmaster from Yuno. Oh, very nice. Apparently, this is before book six. And we only won five points for each of our houses, which we thought was. It's a little snappy, a little stingy. I have to, on the note of a little snappy. It's a little snappy. I coined a term. Everybody, I coined a term. Apparently, <laughs> that's it. Heidi, get the forms going, lawyer lady. Chris, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say on the um, on the note of um, being given and taking away points. I had my I had point, ten points taken off Gryffindor yesterday. <laughs> For not wearing my name badge, but the um, the irony is I'm at, I've been sorted into Ravenclaw anyway. So. <laughs> so did they call up to you and just assume that you're a Gryffindor and say, yeah. so how were you sorted into Ravenclaw? How did this got, work? Um, as an honorary member of the um, honorary registrar of the um, of the Witching Hour, I, I got my badge and it's, it's a Ravenclaw. Who did that? Who's the person responsible for that? <laughs> I'm not a prefect. So, okay. But Professor Snape is a Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Professor Snape is a Hufflepuff. There is a Professor Snape who is one of the presenters. She is in costume. She has a website, pictures, has logos, program. She is a Hufflepuff. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we're going to get pictures of these people and we're going to put them on our on our show notes and, and on our site. We have, pictures. we have pictures. Chris has pictures. Chris is going around taking pictures of you all. Um, and I'm sending them to the police. <laughs> yeah, Chris, explain. Now, Now you live a, basically a normal life over in, yes. in wherever, where do you live again? Norwich. Norwich. I said Norwich on the last time yes. and people emailed like me. Porridge with an N. Porridge. Norwich. No, that's C, you Britons people. You, yes. <laughs> anyway, so you live over in Norwich. You do your, your um, say the name, say the name again, Painted Horse. Painted Horse. Painted Horse Theater. Um, so what is it like to be plucked out of your normal, relaxed, non-Potter experience and walk into a place where everybody is not only a Harry Potter fan, but they've traveled hundreds of miles to be around other Harry Potter fans? It has been truly amazing and truly terrifying at the same time. Um, I mean, it's it's just been great to be here, but... You know, and you guys, I'm not saying you're all mad, but you are all mad. That's, that's, yes. that's a given. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, but it's, it's just been bizarre, really. How? I don't know. I mean, obviously, news, news is kind of spread across Salem. Salem's not that huge. Um, so, you know, we were in, I was in a shop earlier buying a drink and ended up there for half an hour while every member of the staff had a photo taken and an autograph, and then people in, in the lines were coming out of lines. And I, had to, I had to be escorted off the premises. It was, it was quite scary. Yeah. <laughs> attraction from a trolley. Yes, yes, just now, actually, on the way, on the way here, um, myself and Rose were walking along with the umbrellas up the street. 
pouring down with rain outside. Mm-hmm. And the sailing trolley went past, and the, the guy was there with the microphone going, and on your left there, you'll see Chris Rankin, who's in Harry's. <laughs> Just one of the many attractions we always have here at Salem. <laughs> he stands there every day. So I'm not going to be here for the so next section because you're not going to be here I for the end. Well, quick, ask Heidi questions. Well, quick, ask Heidi questions if you have them. Why? Go for it. Why? <laughs> because if I don't get home to my six-month-old by nine o'clock tonight, I think I'm going to just burst into tears from missing her too much. Oh, wait, why did you... I just meant why in general. She meant the existential why. Existential question. Why pink? Why pink, Heidi? Because amid all the rain, I think a little bit of pink sparkly stuff is necessary. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, yay for that. Yay. I'll see you all in 2006 in July. That's right. The next switching... The next... What is it? HPEF conventions. The next one is Lumos. In Vegas, baby. I'm there. I'm down. Okay. All right. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's modcast. Everyone will please not panic. Hi, everybody. I'm Doris Herman from the Leaky Lounge, Darcy. Uh, we're here live from Salem. This is... Uh, Alex Robin. I'm the leaky, one of the Leaky Techies, and I'm here from Danvers, right down the street. My name's Lisa Bunker. I work for Madam Scoops Index, to J.K. Rowling Interviews, to QQQ, Quill, and I do the character pages for the Lexicon. Uh, we're here today. We're going to talk a little bit about the conference and more about specific events at the conference, because Lisa and I have been participating... I was on the professional review board for uh, the Witching Hour, and I was a presenter. And Lisa has been going to some of the conferency things. We're also going to talk a little bit about Salem because we—I've never been here before, and Alex has grown up here, so he knows a lot about it. But for me, it was something new. And historic Salem was so cool. I—I I, I was I, it is different. I was amazed. What, what did you think was the neatest thing? I, I think I, I think yeah, I've seen photographs of it, but to see the the city as a whole and how things fit together. I didn't realize where the custom house was in relation to the war. And, and just kind of getting the flavor of the whole town and not just little snapshots. Yeah. Now, Alex, living close by, do you go to Historic Salem that often? Not as much as you think. Uh, Danvers is huge. It's not as huge, but it's got a ton to do. I probably come here once a year. I all come for the uh, witching, the Halloween parade, but nothing big. It's, it's great to walk, look around in all the witch trial houses and like, they're all museums now you can go in and see everything. And yeah. I went to the grave the graveyard to me was the coolest thing. And I love graveyards. Growing up in South Louisiana there are all these really cool old graveyards. And so we had to go through all the haunted graveyards and look around. I think I have pictures of all the tombstones. I'm such a dork. When I get home I'll put them all on a disc and I'll probably never look at them again. But I, I thought that was really cool. What are um, some of the conference thingies that you went to, Lisa? Wow. I, a lot of mine have been focused on kind of librarian point of view. Um, the reality of fantasy talk uh, was um, basically a book talk about other fantasy books and, and themes in fantasy. It was organized by themes in fantasy and things things like integrity and um, growing up in the different themes um, other books. Then uh, the Beyond Harry Potter was another librarian one and that was books you can recommend at your library um, for kids that have already read Harry Potter and, and want to find something else similar. So that was great. 
the, by far the best thing I've done so far. Uh, there was a dinner last night at the Peabody Essex Museum, and uh, there was a panel of authors, and I, I was just thrilled to be there because it was Ellen Datlow, Charles DeLint, Patricia McKillop, and Nancy no, Nancy Farmer and Holly Black. And wow. Nancy Farmer is great. She had us rolling. She, I've miles. heard she's funny. Yeah, she's never, I've never heard any of these authors. Oh, well, <laughs> you will. Alex, you're young. You have, you have some good things to read. I know. <laughs> you know. On that opening night, I really liked the Tom and Harry from Similar Beginnings. It was really a nature-nurture talk, which is something that I love. My husband being a psychology geek, I, I really get into that you know, kind of discussion. So I thought that was really cool. Um, before my presentation, my presentation was at the PIM Auditorium. I went to uh, Diana Sanderson's and uh, she's Abigail in fandom. I don't know if anyone knows her. But I went to hers on refurbishing the Harry Potter books and how to make sure. Because a lot of people invest a lot of money in these books. Um, one of the other uh, things I want to go to, Becky Oliveri, who just walked in, who's one of the organizers for Lumos. Um, she is giving a talk specifically about fandom. And uh, I'm going to go to hers. That's something that I'm really looking forward to. Also, uh, writing your own novel and how, getting, how to get it produced. I can't I'm, wait to see I'm that. I'm looking forward to the Organizing fandom talk also. I am too. And you know, I'm going mainly because Kim Parker uh, from Potter Party, who's uh, one of our big Potter Parties person, asked me, she said, you have to go to this one and take notes for me since she couldn't be here. So I'm going for Kim. I'm also excited to go to the fall festival tonight, which is community-wide event. Right. Um, and that's from 8 to 12 tonight. Um, tomorrow there is a, uh, a session on monster bookmaking. Because I, I make books with the kids at my library, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to go to that. Um, there are story times with four of my favorite authors, and uh, on Sunday at Halloween Hall. So there's all kinds of good things to come. I know. So it's is it huge here? It's enormous. You probably see it driving in and out of here. They got roads blocked off, all kinds of different things, and they got like big festivals and parties and different booths that you can go in, and it's unbelievable how big it is here. Have you been to the haunted house this year? No, I haven't. I want to do that later I, when I'm really in the mood to be scared and you know make a total fool of myself. No. No. Oh, Lisa, you're no fun. I want to do the ghost tour. Too, which is really late, where you go into. The, the, yeah, I've seen them at night. Really with they, they, they have uh, lanterns with uh, smoke, you know, fog coming out, and they give the tour uh, by candlelight. So I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, you know, one of the really neat things about being here too is meeting you guys. I. Yeah. It's funny, and I don't know if if you guys know it, but we talk to each other for hours. Alex and I probably spend three or four hours every night talking to each other on Skype. But I've never met him. People joke that he's my online son because we talk to each other so much and sometimes I talk to him more than I do my own kids and yeah sometimes and uh, and but we've never met each other yesterday when I met Lexicon Bell for the first time um, and Lexicon Bell isn't here she's volunteering I cried I, I just I, I absolutely broke down and just bawled because I've known this woman for three years but I've never seen her face well I've seen pictures of her but I've never seen her in person I couldn't believe what it was like to finally get to see someone to finally see Melissa after talking to her and emailing and 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 Lisa and then Alex and, and I I told my husband I'm gonna cry when I see Alex because you know but it's really is kind of a new phenomenon that you have this kind of contact well maybe pen pals in the past might have been similar but you have this very rich contact with people and have never talked to them 
face to face. They might live on another side of the world. Uh, and and that's one of the wonderful things about the web. Yeah. Brings Lori. Together like this. Yeah, Lori and, and uh, Jack Door. We don't Lori. and and Mr. Yeah and uh, Mr. Quint. We don't ever see them because they're and um, Brooke. I had seen pictures of, of uh, Alien Inc. And so I knew what she looked like. Um, and I wasn't surprised at all. Now we had already discussed what what right. you looked like, so I yeah. knew that what you looked like. But I had pictured you because you kind of look like my. Do they really? Yeah, you, know, you look like a, a librarian. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, you, you do. What does a librarian look like? Like Lisa. <laughs> Bushy hair and glasses. And <laughs> no, you know, you just have that look, yeah. that scholarly kind of, you know, I spend a lot of time with books look. I think I do too. Yeah. But um, right now I look like a drowned rat, yeah, because I've gotten wet walking. But, um, yeah, that was kind of neat to see people. And then Fly on the Wall is here. Fly on the Wall I knew from the, the main board for years, and so it was neat to get to see you because I have students who love her because she's so sarcastic um, in her comments, and, and they just love her, and they're always quoting her. And I even have a Fly on the Wall that somebody made for me a couple years ago, and I have it stuck on my wall that, that always reminds me of her when I, when I see her. So that was neat to get to meet you. And some the other people that um, and fandom that we read their posts all the time. Well, and, and there's people I haven't found yet that I know are here. Rachel Piner, I'd love to meet, and and Laura, Laura Freeman, one of the artists for the Lexicon. I know she's here, and um, I haven't found her yet. <laughs> so, that, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, the turnout's been wonderful. Just, yeah, lots of people. It has been. I went there been a lot of Heidi's talk. I went when I went to Heidi's talk, Heidi Tandy's talk last night. It was. You know, it started at 10 o'clock at night, so I thought, well, there's not going to be a lot of people there. I was shocked. There were. There were a lot of people still on the streets, walking around, doing stuff. At, at the shops were still open. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in the little town we're from in Texas, at you know, 10 o'clock, everything stops. So I wasn't expecting that at all. Midnight, at least. Really? Everywhere. Okay, well, so what else are you looking forward to going to do? Well, the, the Halloween ball I mentioned, um, that's, that's tonight, the, um, the storytellings by Nancy Farmer and Patricia McKillop, um, I'm uh, craving more of their, uh, their specific brand of humor, mm -hmm. and, and the monster book making. Um, That'll be fine. Those are high on my list, yeah. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. Great. Okay, well, we're done. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a magical day. This is Doris Herman coming to you guys live from Salem. Hey, this is Alex Robin coming to you guys live from Salem. This is Lisa Bunker Salem. coming to you live from Salem. This is Melissa M. Parker ending podcast 8. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Kim. Are you guys enjoying the fine seafood cuisine that Finn's has to offer? Fine liquid cuisine. I had a lovely glass of wine. So. Which Chris was nice enough to get for me. Don't say Chris is not a gentleman. Who's got questions for this guy? Let's do that first. I know they're quiet. Chris, I hear that you went to the movie last night. I hear that you went to the movie last night. Um, how interesting was that experience to watch that film in a room full of people? To watch that film in a room full of people. It was truly bizarre. We went, we were there about for about I don't know 50 minutes or so, and then jet lag caught up with us, so we, we left. But um, I don't know. It's like some kind of Harry Potter Rocky Horror Show kind of <laughs> thing. There's <laughs> people shouting out and laughing. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen that film, but oh, it was it was Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone. If you're English, um, and um, 
I haven't seen it in about three years, I think. So it was, it was kind of bizarre, really. <laughs> Very bizarre, in fact. But yeah, so young. And I'm so young. And the hair. And so shaved. <laughs> and the voices. <laughs> um, were you like one of the only ones in the first movie where your voice wasn't had it had already changed? Me and Sean like the Those poor kids. Yeah. Yeah. In, in movie two, his voice is <laughs> <laughs> Next question for Chris. He's all, I mean, like open book, all yours. Anything. Astrological science. Cricket's been a weird surprise topic of conversation on on podcast because um, Matt Lewis was watching a cricket game while we did an interview with him, and he just, I'd, be, I'd ask him this very serious. Um, what was it like to deal with the emotional problems that Neville had? Oh, that was a great catch. Would you, would you pay attention? Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, really? There are really no questions? These people are probably Wow. These people are probably Wow. Okay. 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 Me. Oh, I like it. Um, I, I know I say, I say this all the time, but bad characters are so much better to play than good characters because they're just meaty and you can get your teeth into them and be really vicious. So it's nice to see that Percy. I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. That's the only thing. I'm not sure whether he's. You know, somebody said to me the other day, Percy, don't listen. I was, I, it was when I was in the parade actually on, on Thursday night. I was, you know, driving around waving and smiling and doing. <laughs> and somebody shouts at me, "Don't listen to Fudge." <laughs> <laughs> I won't. It's fine. I, I, I think he'll be he'll be all right. He's coming back. You know. I know. I know. In the sixth book, he only made like a two-second appearance, but it's a start. And I have it on good-ish, ish authority that he might redeem himself. Good-ish authority, he says. From J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Good-ish authority. You said J.K. Rowling. Rowling so long ago, right after the Prisoner of Azkaban premiere. Okay. Don't screw with me. I know. I know this stuff. Um, yes. You said it publicly. It's already out there. Did you get in trouble for for sending that publicly? No, because I said he might. Right. That's said he might. She, she said he might. Because, because, yeah. Because I, I, I went and had a go at her. Well, I didn't have a chance to do it. Is that? Be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, <laughs> but I said, look, I'm getting hate mail. I was getting hate mail from people about Percy from the fifth book. You know, people say, he's such an evil son and he's, he's horrible and he's going to die. And it's your It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really not all that insane. <laughs> no, oh, no, not at all. Yeah, To some. Can you tell me then, does she like Percy? Because I feel like she likes Percy less than I do. I really empathize with Percy. I, think I feel like his life vision is what killed him. He was used to following his parents, following Dumbledore, so he followed Fudge, and his world fell apart, kind of. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. We were talking, myself and Rosie were talking about this the other day, because um, after somebody had said about the don't listen to the um, thing, I think, I think Percy's problem is that he is in this huge family, and he's, he's just one of seven, you know, and he's trying to make his mark, and he doesn't... He, he wants to be important, he wants to be sort of known, but he doesn't know how to do it, so he becomes a sheep and kind of just ends up following people who he thinks are good and end up not so good. And it's, it's, he doesn't quite understand that he has to be himself to kind of do that. And, he's, and like, I felt like he tried to do what was right, not what was easy. He misunderstood yeah. what right was, yeah. so I had a lot of empathy for him, and I'm yeah. pulling for him. Well, his, his idea of power is that the Ministry of Magic are the most powerful thing in the Wizarding World, so therefore they must be the ones to go with. And they're not, you know. It's and we were saying, you know, if, if Percy could step out of Harry Potter and look at it and see that it is Harry Potter and the, he would probably realise that Harry's the right person to be following rather than the Ministry of Magic, because he's all caught up in it. It's, it's obviously he's a fictional character in the book. He doesn't know it's all about Harry. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone made a good point on on one of the podcasts. I think it was I think it was Erin, um, one of our mods. She said that these characters don't realize that it's going to end in a year. Yeah. No matter what, yeah. it's going to end. The characters think that this could be in the 40, 40 years. This could go on. This could go on for the rest of their lives. Voldemort could kill them all. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting point that if he could step out. But from from his view, yeah. you're right. He he's following whoever is in charge. Jeff, I want to know what you think about Snape. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. Some people were saying he had his, his uh, fingers crossed when he did the unbreakable thing, and uh, <laughs> his fingers crossed. I'm sorry, but I had my fingers crossed. It doesn't count. Ooh. Really sorry. hard to know. I think he'll redeem himself in, in seven. I really do. I also think Draco will turn good, actually. No. Yeah. No. I think he will. Yeah. Um, really? Just because of the whole dialogue that, you know, obviously Draco couldn't do it. Um, and Dumbledore was talking to him all the right. time. And unless uh, he just shows up dead over the summer, which could also happen. Yeah. I don't know. Will he turn good yeah. or will he just redeem? Will he turn good or will he just redeem what he, the terrible things he did this year? Well, the, uh, you know, also Harry ripped his face up pretty good, so he's probably pissed about that, too. Um, <laughs> But he might be a little. I, uh, I think I think he'll he'll completely reverse. He'll be he'll be one of the saviors of the uh, of the series. Okay. Okay. Snape good. Cheer if he's good. Yay! Snape bad. Cheer if he's bad. Yay! Snape somewhere in the middle. Cheer about. Yay! That's 50-50-50. Yeah. <laughs> It's so I can't believe that the the biggest debate now is whether Snape is good or bad. It, we all assumed before book five that he was what Dumbledore said he was, and now nobody can make up their minds. He's good. Yeah. He's good. Who who here thinks he's utterly evil? Why? Why? Whatever he's good or bad, I personally don't feel like I could forgive him for killing Dumbledore. Like, 
that, so I don't see any redemption. But would you would you have preferred Dumbledore to die a horrible, painful, long, drawn out death in the hands of you know who, or just be killed straight? I I don't know. I feel like if you know who I killed, no matter how, it would have been easier for me to accept. I think because when to have Snape, because I trusted Snape because Dumbledore trusted Snape because we were supposed to, but just. It was pounded in quite a bit that, you know, he can be good but still be a nasty person. And so we finally, I think by book five and, and into six, we thought, okay, he's just a nasty guy, but he's still good. And now this whole thing happens, you know, he's a traitor and... You know, it's interesting when we um, when we did the interview um, as we were driving up up to the interview. Uh, of course, our, we we had decided that our first question to Joe Rowling was going to be, "Is Snape evil?" And I said to I said to myself, and I might have even said it to Emerson. I said, "She's going to say, did you read the book?'" And we sat down and we asked. She goes, "Well, you read the book," and I just that. I'm sorry. I'll talk. I, I won't talk about the interview. We're going to talk about that when Emerson's on the show. But um, but you can see from the transcript that she just said, "Well, well, you read the book, so you got to wonder. You got to wonder. That's holding me back a little bit." Uh, all right. Next. The only thing I can add, maybe, is that Snape hate, hated both Dumbledore and Voldemort. He might act the same way in the book as he just did. He might help Harry to destroy Voldemort because he knows Harry is the way that happens. But I'm personally I don't know. I'm up in the air. Yeah. I, I kind of for fun said Snake hates everybody and then picked that because nobody else had it. But I really don't feel like I know. Yeah. That interview was really made me question the Snake is really Dumbledore's man. It made me question it too. Or is Snape in it for it himself? Is that the all along, he's sort of, you know, he is, he has that personality of just, you know, that. I'm going to do what I want. Maybe Dumbledore knew that Snake hated Voldemort, but didn't realize that Snake also hated Dumbledore. Maybe Snape wants to take Voldemort's place. No. Boo. <laughs> Boo, <All right>. Jeff. <laughs> Yes, we have a question, everybody. Yeah, we don't really question it. It's a thing. It's really a comment about Snape. Um, I'm giving a paper on melancholia in the Harry Potter books, and Snape is the poster boy for melancholia. Um, as is also. What's um, your name? Diana Patterson. Diana Patterson, okay. Um, the, the, um, the quintessential thing about a melancholic is that he likes to be alone. And, uh, and that means not telling anybody anything, being a good man and thinking that that's a good, uh, good thing to be. So it could be that Voldemort uh, and, uh, doesn't, doesn't know what uh, Snape is thinking, and Snape is, in fact, working on his own. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly uh, am persuaded that, uh, that J.K. Rowling knows that he killed... Uh, 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 what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. and as a result, the, uh, uh, he's an evil. He's, he's done at least an evil act, right. no matter what his intention. Right. And he can't cut it out. 
So Dumbledore's dead and Jack the place killed. Yeah, Dumbledore is dead. Dead? Dead. Why not? Why no? Why, Why is he alive? I just want to say, this lovely lady is wearing a, a witch hat and a whole costume. Can I see? Can you stand up? What's your name? I have oh, a you can't show me that stuff. I don't have glasses on. It's blank. Constance Vigilance. Constance Vigilance. Oh, very nice. Uh, you got a spider? Yeah. There's a spider on her hat. Oh, my gosh. It's like Moody in book four and Dumbledore okay. in book six. So. Dumbledore is so not dead. Okay, come by the mic and explain. <laughs> It's like it's like a it's like a bronze cool robe thing that she's wearing. Okay, Constance Vigilance is gonna explain to us why Dumbledore is not dead. You're sitting on the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry, Constance, that was very funny. <laughs> she sat on the microphone, everybody. Just if you just talk over here, it'll be fine, it'll catch it up. Alright, sorry about that. Okay. Um the first thing that made me think that he wasn't dead was um, the little bit of blood coming from his mouth. Okay? Um, when I read it through the first time, I thought, blood, this is ringing a bell. Where, where have we seen blood before in this, in this book? And we saw blood in the fake death scene of uh, uh, Slughorn. So, and not only was it uh, used to fake a death scene, it was dragon's blood. So who do we know who's an expert on dragon's blood? So I think that, uh, first of all, I've always thought that Dumbledore was animagus. So I think that when he went over the, the uh, parapet, which is what David probably always does when he wants to hide something, um, he turned into a bug to soften the landing and arranged himself in an awkwardly painful position, dabbed blood on his mouth, and then um, succumbed to some sort of draft of death which was in the you realize this is like a conspiracy theory worthy of like JFK. Okay. It's like, a, okay. okay. But anyway, so the, anyway, the first thing, as I said, the first thing that made me think that he wasn't dead was the blood and the fact that it was probably likely dragged towards him. Then the second thing that clutched it for me was at the funeral when, in a flash of flames, um, his Patronus went up. So who sent his Patronus up if he didn't do it? But it didn't say it was his Patronus. It said that a, 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 a phoenix-shaped something spirited from the flames. But that, that is the shape of his Patronus. It doesn't mean it is his Patronus. It's a white phoenix, which is the same thing as Patronus. So I think it was his Patronus. And I think that the whole thing was uh, prearranged with the order. So the, the Patronus was him telling the order everything is going according to plan. Okay, I'll get that. Okay. Yes. Also, I think that when a person falls, it's more than just a little trickle. I think that was that was just um, uh, him, him having a joke on Sluggy, using his same trick back in him in another fake scene. So Dumbledore had like a little capsule stuck in his, in his like they do in the movies, and he bit down on it as he, well, I, you know. I mean, he's an expert in dragons, but I mean, who knows what he carries in his magical purse? I mean. I probably have some in mind. No, it's fair. So, okay. Yeah. So you think Dumbledore's alive? Yes, I do. How... Here's my big question for people who think that Dumbledore is alive. Yes. How do you justify and make right all the emotional growth Harry went through because of the death? Everything that happened because of the death, the, the way that the death put these, these characters forward and pushed them forward in their lives... How do you make him coming back not cheap now? I leave that to the magic of J.K. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Very good answer. Very good answer. Well, I want to thank you very, very much, Constance. Yay.
We have with us um, Dr. Henry Jenkins, who just gave a proposal from MIT. That's BK. Okay, well, BK, come sit near me. So this is Dr. Henry Jenkins. And, and we should mention before we go on that uh, Dr. Jenkins is a professor of, and uh, you still head of the department? Head of the Department of Comparative Media Studies at uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I'm sorry, Dr. Jenkins, can you tell us what, the, first of all, nice to meet you. Yes. And can you tell us what you what you are discussing at Witching Hour right here? Yes, I just gave a talk at the House of Seventy Gables over lunch about the fan culture and the ways it's changing in the digital age. Uh, Obviously, what we're doing right now, which is being in a podcast, is a powerful demonstration of the ways that fans are taking media in their own hands and transforming the very nature of the, the Harry Potter media universe. Then can you talk about the nature of fan culture today? How has it changed in, say, the past year? Say since book six came. Say since book six came out. <laughs> I, I'm used to asking answering that question on a slightly larger time scale. I wrote a book 15 years ago called Textual Poachers, which was the first academic study, one of the first academic studies in the fan community. And I'm often today criticized people read the book if they wanted to talk about the internet. Well, the answer is it was 15 years ago. Uh, I do talk a little bit in there about Twin Peaks, which was an early example of internet family. But the change the internet has wrought in terms of the visibility of fan culture is nothing short of phenomenal. And what I was suggesting at the talk is really that the entire media, and when Textual Poetry was published, fans were absolutely marginal to the way culture operated. Today they're absolutely central. And if you talk to people in the media industry, they all understand that audiences are participants in whatever media franchise is created. Where the disagreement is in the terms of participation. You know, that the companies want a different kind of relationship to us than we necessarily want. Among our own communities, fans have radically different ideas about to what degree we should listen to J.K. Rowling tell us which ships are good and which ships are bad, or you know what, we should, what stories we should write and which ones we should hide from the children, or whatever. We can't agree among ourselves. The media companies can't agree about what, how, what they need to give us in order to buy our loyalty. And that's really the way they think about it. it is, they're in a moment when they need our loyalty more than ever. They're more media options. And they've got to to attract that loyalty by opening up a space for our participation. But they're anxious because the only thing they own is intellectual property. And if that gets damaged or stolen or borrowed or abused, they don't know what to do. So you have the paradoxical moment where we're being sold the right to wear our logos on our t-shirts and on, on our bumper stickers and on our lockers and on our wall. And we put those same images on our websites and we're going to cease and desist us. And that's, that's the, where we're at as a culture where there's really a contradictory impulse. If not fans or teenagers who don't understand intellectual property, it's studios who can't decide what relationship they want to create with and, and we should mention before we go on that uh, Dr. Jenkins is a professor of, and uh, you still head of the department? Head of the Department of Comparative Media Studies at uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So that's the thrust of what, and I, I went in to talk about the Potter Wars as an example of that of that tension. And the Potter Wars understood as both the struggle over librarians and teachers to fight censorship of the books, and the struggles of fans to protect their websites when studios decided to send cease and desist letters. And, and the, what's the relationship between those two things? Well, let's just clarify. Um, Potter Wars, for people who don't know, back in uh, 2000, I think, um, Warner Brothers before getting involved with the fan sites, started sending out cease and desist letters to all the fan sites. So I think everybody who, you know, had a picture of Dan, was it Dan Rackoff even around at that time? But yeah. everybody. Yeah. 
um, got a lot of the they needed to shut down their website and so a site called Potter Wars I think it was .co.uk um, cropped up and and organized the campaign against Warner Brothers and they, they, they ended up I mean Warner Brothers backed down for what reason we don't know but well, actually, surely well, I actually I talked to Diane Nelson who was the key point person at Warner Brothers during yeah. her extensive interview right. and it's very clear that they were taking off they, they were doing what was normal operating procedure for Warner Brothers which was to suspend all sites and then short sort out who were infringers and pirates and who were legitimate fans. But they didn't understand the full implication of doing that with children. Uh, didn't realize they were shutting down 12 and 14 year olds' websites. And they found themselves facing a children's war against copyright. And Nielsen said that they forced the stu- not only their studio, but all the studios to have some powwows in which they reviewed their policies and came away with a very different notion of the fan. That the, the fan is actually central to the way the franchise operates now, and that they've had to back off of a lot of the IP issues that they played before. So it hasn't actually a happy ending. I, I found, talked to a number of studio executives for years, but Nelson's understanding of this was fairly enlightened, even though, you know, the history of Warner Brothers' relations to the Harry Potter fan community is pretty back you know, those early points. I've spoken to a, a couple of them about these issues as well, and there seems to be a general understanding that that was not... Um, it was not the best way to go about things at that time, and I understand that the fans right now are key. We, somebody put this to me very perfectly a few weeks ago. They said that in between books, in between movies, the franchise has a real danger of dropping off, of dying, and the fan sites keep it going. We, you know, whatever for for better or worse, whatever we do, we keep keep you with some place to go every day. And so I think Warner Brothers finally does grasp this. So Jeff, why don't you talk to us a little bit? That's running one of the biggest. Um, I agree. We, I mean, we were talking about liability before and, and the reasons that they had to protect their intellectual property, like Dr. Duncan said. Um, and they have backed down quite a bit. And and even now, like I said with that example of the video, they sent this form letter, and then I, I explained what it was and, and that I run HPNA, and he was like, oh, well, we didn't understand. So it wasn't like, you must follow our rule to their letter. They're very understanding, and they, they realize that the fans play a very central role in, in the whole franchise. I think one of the things that also happened pretty early on was um, once once uh, people got into their first internet fan fandom, they started educating themselves pretty quickly about what they could and could not do. So I think uh, um, there were a lot of people, when Warner Brothers did come in and kind of is start messing with the Harry Potter fandom, there were a lot of people who almost educated them and said, no, these are actually what we can and cannot do based on the law. And I think, yeah, I think it shocked them in many ways, but at the same time, it's been just a huge ongoing learning experience as new things pop up, like podcasts. I'm sure we're going to see, you know, with video cats, uh, video casts and podcasts, we're going to see a lot more over, you know, digital rights over the actual, you know, uh, songs or clips from movies or, you know, all of this stuff. I think it's the, the, when the fans or the fan site operators respect the franchise, we get that respect back. Yes. And that's yeah. key. Yeah. But the reverse is also true. Where the franchise respects the fans, fans are more likely to respect right. the franchise. Yeah. And the problem is we've had this yeah. kind of scorched earth policy toward consumers over the last five or six years, uh, maybe longer, where the studios have not been willing to talk to fans. And 
I think it's fine. I think it's changing. But I like to quote this guy, Jamie Turner, uh, Jamie, I lost his name, from Turner Network, who said that people who watch television shows can skip the commercials for thieves. That's the level we reached for a period of time in which the Napster discourse led to people seeing consumers as thieves and saw them as depreciating the product, the value of it. Whereas what I want to argue is that fans, in fact, appreciate the franchise in a double sense, both that we like it and we appreciate it, but more importantly, we increase the economic value of it by prolonging shelf life, by broadening its reach, by re reframing it and educating consumers about it. There's an invisible labor that fans perform that we're beginning to see the economic value of. Invisible and, and, and free, mostly. Most people do this for, for the love of it. We spend our own money to come up to these things and, and you know, buy microphones and, you know, you know, the whole thing. So, yeah. But I think Warner Brothers, once they grasp that, things got a lot better for all the fans. I think this was about two years ago that things really started, started turning around and you started seeing Warner Brothers sending us images to share with you guys, sending us, you know... Getting it, bringing us into the premieres, bringing us one well, on the premieres, bringing us into the um, the events, the sets, the, the junkets, the, you know, the everything. Chris, is um, I was, was going to agree with you actually. I was, was going to agree with you actually. There, a friend of mine um, in Mexico runs Totally Harry Potter, which is the, the um, friend, friend, yes, yeah. friend. Um, and she's recently been got in touch with Warner Brothers, and they've been absolutely wonderful. You know, they've, they've put her on the mailing list, and they're sending all high res images, because because of obviously the Mexican involvement with. The, with the third Harry Potter movie, they're, they're, they're quite keen to involve the Mexican fans, and there's not. I think I know Fran feels that the, the Mexican population are kind of don't feel like they're given enough kind of input into it. So she, I mean, she's managed to get sort of stuff for the for the, um, the premiere in, in uh, Mexico, and she's had interviews with Alfonso and all that kind of stuff, and they've been, they've been wonderful. So, I think they're getting that. It just makes it all so much nicer. Yeah. It makes oh, yeah. It, yeah, it makes what we do just so much easier to do when when Warner Brothers says like what you're doing is great and let's let's help you out a bit yeah. you know this is again that education process that that the the um production companies are, are having to go through. I was talking with Henry earlier in the back about, or Dr. Jenkins earlier in the back, about um, um, you know the fact that everything has a fandom now. You've got TV shows, you've got video games, you've got books, you've got movies, and you've got real life shipping. I mean, yeah, there's everything now yeah. that's a fandom. I make no comment. Yes. And I think uh, Chris just mentioned about the, the Mexican fans, and I think Mexican knows even though this too, we've seen some sites now, some like German sites are getting exclusive photos from Warner Brothers Germany that we are getting, and which is great. I mean, but well, I will. Yeah, we all yeah. But then we also go, hey, we want those. Those brands, those branches in the other countries are. You know, one of the one of the striking. I talked to Heather Lauber, who was one of the leaders of the American Defense Against Dark Arts movement, in response to the Potter uh, crackdown. And one of the things she said is, within hours of the first cease and desist letter going out to Poland or Singapore, the American fan network knew about it because we, we, it, the, Amer the fandom was so well connected yeah. in information flow. So studios used to think we can try out a tactic in this country and it won't affect our core market. And now it's so interwoven. And anything that happens anywhere in the world is have a ripple effect through fandom. No, if you if you release a picture of Dan Radcliffe in Taiwan, we have it. We have it in a minute. And yeah, there's just no. We get there's no break. Tips with yeah. Very broken English. So I'm trying to tell us news and they get it across. I think Potter parties. Um, 
the St. Potter parties that we did for the, the book release was probably the best example of an international Harry Potter fit because, you know, I mean, we were pulling, you know, uh, parties in Chile, in India, and, you know, in addition to, you know, the English-speaking markets. I mean, it's just, oh, Sweden, uh, Japan, you know, everywhere. Yeah, the, uh, th that site had a lot to do with uh, Leaky Lounge moderators uh, really being the, the push behind getting that done. I have a quick question about that, Melissa. Yes, she off. Were you going to yes. use Potter Parties to do uh, movies? <laughs> we are so busy. We're trying. We're trying to get things together to, to list movie stuff. Um, um, our forum moderators would, would have a lot. Kim and Parker, especially, who's amazing. She's done like everything on Potter Parties. Um, Kim will have more to say about that soon in the future. There's also an effort coming from, strangely enough, the people who run uh, Shirtiga, which is the the site for Christopher Paolini's books. Um, Inheritance Street of Lose. Aragon's the first one, I will say it right this time. Aragon's the first one. Um, anyway, they're doing like a, like a goblet line party thing that we're gonna we'll get behind and help, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll work in some Potter Parties, but we're we're trying. Every time, every time something new comes in the fandom, like the podcast, I mean, we actually started talking about the podcast probably in January or February, but then the book, you know, the book yep. six launch came, and we're like, we don't have time. We've got to get Potter parties up. <laughs> I have to say this. I have to say this. I've been waiting, for, I've been waiting to say this. The Muggle Nut Boys teased us when we came out. Oh, you're just copying us. So I said, why don't you do a Who Is on Pottercast.com? Why don't you do that? And they did. It's discovered that we had, we had bought Pottercast.com in, like, March. Before they even had the inkling, so it's so, rather coincidental that you came out that time. I knew well, they, well, we, we had been pushing and pushing and pushing for it, and then they came out, and I went, "Oh my God, people are going to think we just bit from them." So we're just going to we're just going to just do our thing and get it out there right away. Obviously, it was obvious. Get it out there right away. Obviously, it was not a one week <laughs> venture. Um, but yeah, but I just want to say. Um, there are 40 days, 9 hours, 56 minutes, and 34, 3, 2 seconds before the movie comes out, according to my to my new widget that I coded. Um, I did it! I did it! I John made the design. Look, look, it flips. Look, hold on. It's a Mac thing. Look, it'll flip around! This this is a visual thing for everybody who's sitting that side of the... I, I said to I love widgets, and I kept telling John that we needed to make a widget, we needed to make a widget, we needed to make a widget, and we finally did. My code of it went to a miracle. Um, that's a Mac widget. Anyway, um, what was the point of all this? Right. So there's forty there's forty days left. So we're so we're so busy, and things get only busier and busier and busier as we approach um, a book or a movie. So yes, we will try. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's so let's let's end this with with a liver dice. dice. We have a fan this week. So let's do it. Let's do a liver dice. I'm going to take everybody shout out all at once. Live or, Live die. or die. Okay. Okay. Somebody. Somebody. What do you guys? What do you guys? Go ahead, Chris. Metal. Live. Ha! Nice. Go ahead, Jeff. Draco. Die. 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 Dead. PK. Oh shoot. Uh, Cho. Live. Damn her. Don't sound so disappointed. <laughs> Doctor Jenkins. McGonagall. Live. Dumbledore. Oh wait. Okay. Um. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> You're in denial. I am not. Snape. Just so everybody knows that when die, live, die, die. <laughs> Arthur Weasley. Live. live. Die. Die. Evil. Percy. Die. 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 
Die. Sorry, how'd you do it? Jenny. Jenny. Live, man. Live. I used to think he was going to die. No more. It passed. It passed. Luna. Luna. Live. Who, who's got one they want to ask? Harry. Live. 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 Who says live? Live. Who says die? Die. Everybody says live, cheer. Everybody says die, cheer. Yeah, you guys who died who said die are weaker. You lose. Take your rolling. See, most people want him to live. So. Anybody else? We, we, we know that that's... Voldemort. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. We have to wrap this up and turn it over because John is dying to get on the show. Um, he's not here, but I know, I know he is. Anyway, thank you, guys, and we're really happy that you all came out. And we will see you in New York. Come to New York on November twelfth. That's going to be gigantic. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Anything else you want to say? Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Will you marry me, Rosie? No, okay, it sorry. wasn't that. Um, Charlie Watts and the Ripping Time. Fantastic book. Read it. It's written by oh, Rosie's right. dad. Um, website is charliewatts.org. Um, Char- Watts spelled W-A-T-T-S. Read it. It's amazing. We'll put a link in the notes. Yes, do. There you go. BK, any last things? Uh, no. And I want to say thank you, guys, and we will see you soon. There you go, guys. That was our first live podcast. The one from New York will be much different. Yeah, um, yeah I'll yes. be there. It'll be entertaining. The, yes. Yes, John. John. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, actually, no, I had, a lo- I had a lot of fun. And the people that were there, it was very chill. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of fun sounding. People were very just relaxed and fun and cool. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so... Uh, it was so different. I mean, right now, as we're recording this, I, I just got home from work. I'm still in my work clothes. I'm I'm laying on my bed. My laundry needs to be done. I'm in the middle in my room. You know, it's very just. I'm I'm yeah. just, it's very relaxed. You know what I mean? But to be like at a table in front of people doing this was a whole. So different. Uh, I mean, I'm just scary. laying here in bed in my boxers, just kind of hanging out. John, a cereal you're here. a boxer boy? Oh, the mystery's oh, yeah. been revealed. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. The room when the did we come need up. to know? Did we need <laughs> Yes, we did. <laughs> Dude, I'm in Florida, man. It's hot down here. Oh, it is not. It's in the middle of October. You can't be it's hot. It's hot still. down here. Oh. Oh, but it's always hot around John. He's a hot one. Sue, so, so any any topic of conversation that that's next? Can we move to it, please? Okay. Uh, well, you know, let's see. Um, um, live uh, podcast. Oh, right. So the live podcast. podcast in New York. <laughs> so the live podcast in New York will be a great amount of fun. Um, the the RSVPs continue to roll in. Yes. Like, yeah, I don't know. We're gonna run Radio City Music Hall now. Is that it? What we're gonna have to do? I wish. We could need to upgrade the venue, but we've got the commitment with these. Hey, can I say something real quickly? We have so many people that write us and email and everything. I wanted to thank all the dozens and dozens of emails we got about cricket. Thank you. I now am ready to go. We're totally educated about cricket. I just bought my racket yesterday. Yes. I'll be right Four. ready to go. Is that it? So so the the trivia with Muggle Net um then can be about cricket. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah an hour and a half about cricket and the finer <laughs> details of its history. <laughs> we need to plan that. We haven't planned that at all. The we need to get on that. I, I, I think that should be live. It should be live, and it doesn't matter. I think we should do it gonna, at We're going to smoke them. It doesn't matter. It's going to be great. Sue, you're all ready to smoke them. I'm really actually sort of shaking in my boots over here about the Scurvius. I don't know. Not with John on our hey. team, we can't go wrong with that. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not allowed team. to play. What? As it stands, unless a bigger celebrity than me, which should be a lot easier to find as I'm no celebrity, decides to take uh, take the charge, I'll probably uh, um, host the darn thing. Well, you can stand up there in your sheet and just, you know... But, John, you can't make up the questions because you're from Leaky. Well, no. Yeah, and I have no idea. I'm not smart enough to make questions. What the hell? I'm like, well, I'd I'm sort of scared of the questions you'd make, actually. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide one of my questions in there. In the rest of with Steve's I questions. Asked, I asked Steve, but he hasn't gotten back to me yet. Steve's answer arc. Steve. Write me back, Steve. You bell or Lisa. You don't call. You don't write. Lisa or Bell will be able to do it. Lisa, yeah, Belle. Have you, have you guys ever heard Lisa's radio voice? She has a wonderful oh, yeah. radio voice. Um, so she should, she should, maybe she. That's right, Steve. If you get back to me, we're gonna, we're gonna move on to Lisa. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, guys, this was an, this was an adventure. It was an experience. Yes. So thank you to everybody that came out there to watch y'all. I'm sure you had a great, great time, right? Yeah, yeah. It was really awesome. so much fun. It was a Fins blast. seafood. Fins seafood and Fins wine. Depends on seafood rocks, try the shrimp platter, knock your socks off. There you go. Sure. John. <laughs> John, I didn't even see a menu. And the other the other diners must have been so confused because we did that opening, that welcome to Pottercast opening, and you can just hear, like, everybody else stop eating going, what the heck are they doing over there? Because we did it about 14 times. Oh, my gosh. I just kept asking them to do it over and over and over, and over again. <laughs> Got to the part where I was like, one more time, and everybody just started laughing. Yeah. Well, four people can only make so much noise in an audience. Yeah, those are allowed four people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey guys, today um, I went to the leaky PO box today. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> PO. And and there was some discussion last week <laughs> on our forums about um cookies and cookies. I, I I I said that listen, hey, if you guys feel the need to send us cookies, I'm look look, I'm not gonna get in the way of cookie sending. So Especially um if they're chocolate chocolate involved. Yes. I mean if they're butter. chocolate involved you should just run to your to your mailbox butter. right now. There's just no yes, no reason yes. you haven't done so already. <laughs> anyway, um Kimmy Blair, I think she's our I think she is the number one fan of Pottercast. She's a huge Pottercast fan. Yes. She's a huge Kimmy John Noe fan. Oh, she, she said yes. Oh, she, yes, John. Oh, I she, know, Kimmy. We love you. I love you, actually. Kimmy, Kimmy, Kimmy rules. Well, she sent. Not only did she send cookies, but she sent. Oh, she did. Well, she sent cookies, and she also sent. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got this box, and I and I opened this box, and there are these little, this little, these little gumballs in them that are decorated like like a woman wearing a dress and a guy wearing a tux, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure. Out, and they're the cutest. My God, they are the cutest things I've never seen such adorable little gumballs before and so and I'll take a picture of these and put them on the site so if you go to pottercast.com and our show notes from this week you'll be able to see anyway so I, I was trying to figure out who they were from and what they were and then I opened the card and it says to Melissa this is <laughs> this is for use on top of your and John Emerson Ben 
Barty Crouch Jr.'s wedding cake. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hope you like it. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to take a picture of that. I got to see. I will. I will. I'll take a picture. I'm trying. I'm trying to decide how to set them up to make them funniest. <laughs> so you didn't eat any of them already, then? No, I'm saving them for oh. our wedding. Uh, Why would gotcha. I eat them? I don't know. They're gumballs. So because those little gumballs were so were so cool and made us laugh so hard, I think that people should send um, more funny stuff to our P.O. Box. I think it would be hilarious. Don't spend money. It's not about money. If, if you have something funny that you think you'd like us to see, send it to P.O. Box 40559. That's 40559. Staten Island, New York, 10304. Put it attention, Leaky Cauldron. Um, you know, if you have a funny drawing, if you have a, f- a funny something that you can't send us an email, uh, we will post pictures of the funniest stuff we get on a continuing basis. Okay, okay, guys. That guy, oh, it's late. Okay. Enough of the inside jokes to the new it's listeners. It's late. It's so late. Good. Yeah, They're new listeners, like, that was funny. Yeah. yeah, if you've never heard that before, that was very funny. Go back and listen to As I steal from Eddie Izzard. Okay, guys. Okay. Let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Later, everybody. Bye. We've missed it. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 